Welcome to Mahogany Moms Podcast. My name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I'm here to provide support and education on all things motherhood. Join me every other Wednesday for encouragement, inspiration, and information as we delve into health, mental and physical, education, money, and everything else that comes with this motherhood journey. Hey y'all, it's Dr. Shell, educational psychologist, mental health therapist, and parenting coach. And so we are doing it again, another episode of Mahogany Moms podcast. But tonight we have another expert with us and she's going to be talking about everything finances, right? Ladies, we know that sometimes we have all of these questions about money. What should we be doing? What should we do? What should we be doing for our kids? So tonight we have an expert that can weigh in and give us some suggestions. And so tonight Tonight, I want you guys to welcome Miss Tessa Betterway to the Mahogany Moms podcast. Hi, Tessa. How are you? Hey, lady. I'm doing well. Glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. So tell us about, tell us about you. Tell us about what you do. Okay. So I am a financial advisor. I have been in this industry for about six years. Just to kind of sum it up on what I do, I pretty much help people or families sit down and create some type of financial plan, you know, finding out where they are today and where they're trying to go. And that's insurance, investments, you know, anything that you can think of that has to do with money and wealth building. So I sit down and help people strategize how to get accomplish some of those goals and some of those things that they want to see for themselves in the future. Okay, exciting. So tell us, like, what drew you into finances, financial advising? What drew you into this field? It's so crazy. I was actually just speaking to somebody the other day because this is something I've actually been doing since I was younger. I used to do my friends, my girlfriends, my roommates' budgets, <laughs> like financial wow. budgets for them, right, when I was younger. And, you know, what, I lived in Indiana. I was raised in Indiana. And I had decided to move to Houston, like, in 2014. So for that year before I moved, I saved up, like, a year worth of income. And it took me like two years to do that. Cause I'm like, before I move, let me do this. Cause nobody I knew moved, you know, my family, they kind of stay where they are. They don't really get outside the bubble. So I made that move and I spent that income up in like six months, like a year worth of income. When I moved to Texas, I spent that in like six months, didn't have a job when I came here or anything. So I was looking, you know, just had to go back to the basics of trying to get my money saved back up, you know, just, I just went through some hardships and I had to start back from zero and get myself back up together, credit everything. And I had met an advisor myself who was coaching me through a couple of things and just seeing how she changed my life just pretty much like interests me on, okay, let me try to do this for myself and show a couple of people I know how to do it as well. So that's kind of how I kind of snuck into the financial industry, just going through my own situations when I first moved here. Okay. So it almost sounds like I'm, I'm hearing like a calling, right? Because you said you used to do this for your friends back back in the day before you even probably knew that financial advising was a thing. You were just helping them with their budget. No, so, that's so true. <laughs> <laughs> amazing how you came back full circle. No, that's so true. That's so true. And it's crazy because I forgot I even did that. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've always been crazy about money. Like I count every dollar, every cent, every penny. <laughs> and now I'm like helping other people do that. But going through my own situations is what brought me to it. Because I moved here to get into the beauty industry. Oh, but okay. yeah, so it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So, okay. One of the things that we hear all the time is like, you need to get a financial planner or a financial advisor. What do exactly financial advisors or planners do? Do they invest your money? What exactly do you, do financial advisors 
or financial planners, what do they do? And is that the same thing? So very similar. So financial advisor, financial planner, they, I mean, they're pretty much very similar. Same to me. One may just give you advice about something. The other person may actually put the plan together and actually see you through it from A to B. Now, I feel like to sum it up, a financial advisor is just accountability partner to me. It's someone who has took a lot of time to study all these different products and services and strategies on how to utilize our money to work for us. And people come to us to ask us how, you know, I want to, I'm here, you know, A, and I'm trying to be here in retirement or child education or whatever that may be. They come to us as experts to ask them for advice on how to do so, because we are the ones who actually took the time to educate ourselves about all the different things going on in the world and you know, it's not a one size fit all situation. So an advisor can actually speak to you, find out what your story is about and actually, you know, align you with the correct products that are going to get you where you need to go. So mostly like an accountability partner, you can say, because we all need one. Yeah. Yes, we do. So kind of what I'm hearing is like a financial coach, similar to a financial coach. I would say similar to a financial coach. Yeah, you can say that. So they're all, they, they kind of all, that those names, titles, they kind of all interact and go together. So, yeah. Okay. So let's just say I wanted to open an IRA. Would I then say, hey, Tessa, I want to open an IRA. Can you do that for me? Is that something that you can do? So myself, yes. So financial advisors, we all have different specialties licensed. So, you know, to find out exactly the type of advisor that, you know, is for you, you want to find out what kind of license they have. Our license allows us to educate people or recommend things to people depending on it. So yes, as far as myself, if it's any type of retirement account, you do come. My clients will normally come to me and say they're interested in it. I educate them on it. And because I know who they are, I know all about their financial story. I can recommend to them if that's the best decision for them based on what I know about them. Okay. So it sounds like you really, it's a, like really an intimate kind of relationship. You know, when you start talking about people's money. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> no, I was going to say it is very intimate. That relationship is not a right away relationship. You know, I, I tell everybody when you start to look for a financial advisor, it's kind of like the same thing you do when you look for your doctor or you look for anybody you plan to be in your life for a long time, because we're going to get dig deep and you want to make sure that you're with someone that cares about you by asking questions. And it's a genuine feeling. It's kind of like therapists. When we go see therapists, we don't connect with every therapist. So we sometimes seek and go around to different people. So we find someone we feel like, oh, I can be comfortable enough to open up to that person. So yeah, because it's very, people are funny about their money. So it is, it should be, it should be a long-term relationship that you should be expecting when you have, expecting when you have a financial advisor. And so let's just say I'm a mom and I'm like, okay, I need a financial advisor. I hear everything that you're saying. Where do I start? How do I, where do I go? Do I Google? Where do I start to look for a financial advisor? So for me, I feel the way that I feel is probably the best way is start asking people. It's obviously you can go to Google and look people up. You can go to, you know, social media, but I feel like that intimate, like ask your friends, ask people around you. Cause sometimes you never know a lot of people, more people than you think have advisors. And the best thing is to get someone else that, you know, is taking care of somebody else that, you know, because I mean, the likeliness of them taking care of you is high too. So I would say starting your inner circle, ask around, uh, and then of course go to social media, hashtag different things like that to look from, but always start internal. Okay. So we're talking like word of mouth, people that you know. Word of mouth. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about some specifics. If 
I'm a mom and I'm wanting to put away money for my child. What is the best or maybe not the best? What are some vehicles that I can do that? You know, we there are lots of different things that people talk about, but I'm not really sure as a mom, what would be the best tool to use or vehicle? Okay. So there are a lot of different, and this is why you, you get advisors. There's so many different products out here. So when I get questions like that, the type of things that I need to know when someone asks me that is how long are we saving this money for? You know, if this is something where we're doing right away when they're born, then, you know, you can always do things like, you know, put them in whole life plans, or you can do the 529 education plans. You know, it's just so many different things. Some of these products, like the 529, I don't know if you know, some people heard about the college funds. They're just for college. They're just for school. Meaning if your child don't go to college, then you either have to pass that down to someone else or be penalized to take that money out. So nowadays, a lot of parents are looking for things that are more flexible because, you know, if you look at now, a lot of our kids are not going to college. They're becoming business owners. They're getting licenses and certificates. So they're, you know, it just really depends. And that's why that financial advisor is so important to have because like, Again, it's millions of things you can go try, but if me sitting down or someone sitting down and finding out how long is this money going to stay in there? How much do you, is this a one-time, you know, deposit, or are we going to be doing this monthly? That way we know exactly if we should be putting this in something that's more conservative, that we won't take some of the big risks from the market, or do we have time to actually take some risks and put it in the market to actually grow long-term? So it just depends, but right off my head, the 529 is a really good one. There are whole life. You can also do some different life insurance policies that a lot of people are using to also use for their child education. So those are the two big ones, I would say. Okay. So it sounds like if a mom is like really unsure that a financial planner would be the way to go, but is there something else that she can do? Because you say like I'm a mom and I have no idea about money. I just know that I want to save for myself and for my children. But I feel like before I can reach out to a financial planner, I need to have some knowledge of my own. What should, is there something I should be reading? What should I be doing to kind of help me know when I start talking to a financial planner, some of the terminology that you may be using? How can I familiarize myself? So self-taught world, right? One of the things that I have a lot of people do before they even think about sitting with an advisor is, you know, YouTubing things. But to be honest, one place I feel that we all should start is our own income budget. So actually sitting down and writing down what you're bringing in and what you're taking out. So that way, when you do go speak to this advisor, you actually know how much money that you have available to yourself. Or, you know, how much you may even have to put towards certain things like child education or retirement. So, I mean, to get education, I mean, this all over the world. I mean, Google, you can, you know, YouTube, those are great places to go. But just really sitting down and finding out what your money behavior looks like, what's coming in and what's going out is always the first place to start. I love that, right? Because I love the fact that you can just start, really, it's like starting where you are, starting with what you have. And mm-hmm. so looking at your budget, because you may want to put a five to nine, you know, start one for your child, but maybe your money situation right now is in flux. And so maybe you don't have as much cash to do that as you thought you did. And so that, like you that is really important to know, right? To know mm-hmm. what you have to put into something before you sit down and talk with someone. Do financial planners, do they cost? How do I pay for your services? So some financial advisors do cost. That is something that, you know, you should ask when you speak with someone. But 
most of the ones I come around, they give you free consultations. At least I do. There are advisors that are known to giving free consultations because it's hard to really add value to somebody's life. You don't even know if they need your help or not. Mm -hmm. So sitting down with them and actually finding out what the financial situation looks like to even know if there's any way that you can help that person. So you don't really, the, the way most financial advisors get paid most, and again, this is, could be very different, but one of the most popular ways is if you're an advisor, you may have the ability to work for multiple companies and not all. So these are questions you want to ask when you find out if you, what kind of advisor, do you have an advisor that just represent one company, meaning they're only bringing you products that's based on this one company or is this an advisor who can actually go out and shop around different markets and actually bring you back the bets for you? So in that case, a lot of the companies pay the advisors for bringing that relationship together. So a lot of times the client or the, yeah, the, our, the, our clients don't come out of their actual pockets. The companies are paying unless I am actually personally watching your book of business. Like if we're actually doing stocks and I'm actually watching it and balancing and things like that. But a lot of times it's not that type of relationship. Okay. So if I'm a mom, we've kind of talked about what we can do, you know, for my kids, but what about for myself? If I'm thinking of long-term, if I'm thinking about retirement, I'm hearing a lot about investing in the stock market. How, where do I start there? There's like different types of retirement accounts. There's Roth, there's the IRA, there's, if you're an mm -hmm. entrepreneur, there's the SEP. How do I know what's a, the best tool for me? Okay, so let's talk about an idea. So something I get from a lot of people is how much should I invest, right? And if we wanna say a really, a conservative amount of your income, your monthly income that you bring in, it should be at least 20%. So 20% of your monthly income, you wanna put that towards some type of growing product. You want that money to work for you. For you. So let's say we're talking about retirement or we're talking about child education or building a business, 20% of your income should be going towards that. Now, what tool you should use, what product you should use, this determines on what you're trying to put that money up for. If it's retirement, of course, we got the 401ks, which a lot of the employers do. I always advise moms, I always advise people, make sure that you are matching up to the match. That's really some things you can do first before you even meet an advisor. If your company is offering you a 6% match, go all the way up to that 6% because that's free money. No one else is going to give you that. That's money on the table. No product is going to be able to match that much of money. So that's the first thing is find out your benefits with your employer first. Find out what they're offering. A lot of us get into these benefits with our employer, like disability, life insurance, retirement, and we have no idea what we signed up for. We're like, it's free. Sign me up. And we don't even know what's being covered. So I would say start educating yourself about how much is the disability income. How much is your company actually paying you if you need to sit down and take care of work? That's major for mothers because, you know, we're having kids and sometimes we may be put on bed rest or we may not be able to physically work. And our employer may only give us 50 to 60 percent of our income. And a lot of us can't live off 50 to 60 percent of our income, especially if it's a single parent home. Yeah. So you want to find out about that and find out if you can supplement the remainder amount that the company don't cover. That's one that's major. Okay, You're wait, like, again, wait, pause. You said supplement. How can, what would I do to supplement what my, in, what my employer doesn't cover? So do I take out my own disability? What does that look like? What is supplement? Yes. So a lot, and a lot of people are very, very shocked when I say this, like we can put insurance on our income, even entrepreneurs, even more important for entrepreneurs, because they don't have that benefit from someone else. So with a financial advisor, or you can look up different companies, you can actually go out and 
ensure the remainder amount of your income that the employer is not covering. So for example, if you're getting 60% of disability income from your employer, 40% of that you can actually go to a company and have them put insurance on. And a lot of times it's, it costs just as much as filling up your tank of gas. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you saying filling up my tank of gas a month? How- a month. Mm-hmm. Wow. That seems relatively inexpensive. It's very inexpensive. So why don't, I guess most people or lots of people don't know about that because I'm like, why aren't more people doing that? And, and that's the beauty. And honestly, that is the beauty of working with financial advisors, because a lot of these things are not traditionally taught to us in our households. If you really think about our our parents, you know, some people are very blessed with parents that are educating them about finances, but a lot of us don't have that. So not even having the basic budget, I mean, you can't expect them to know all the different things that are out here. So that's why it's honestly so amazing to actually work with a financial advisor. So that way you don't have to take the time to teach yourself about absolutely everything. You can go to someone who's going to say, okay, I know your story. This is what's going to be good for you. Like a doctor. I'm diagnosing you. I'm telling you what's going to be good for you. Yeah. That's good. Like a doctor. <laughs> yep. Okay. So I'm sorry I interrupted you because you you were talking no. about supplementing that the and I'm like, wait a minute, what? Okay. Um <laughs> I know so, so everyone's always shocked about that. Like, like one product that I love a lot of people really, really love is like, and it's and I say this and I really stress it to women because statistically known that women we live off of our disability at least three times throughout our life before we get into retirement. Wow. Because I mean, the likeliness of us getting sick is higher than the possibility of us dying. If you can be, you know, the ratio of that is higher. So we know that we know that we're going to have a time where we're going to have to sit down, take care of our health, take care of ourselves. And especially if we're a single parent or the head of the household, if we can't make bring that 100 percent of our income in monthly, a lot of times what happens, we drag our butts right back to work because we're like, hey, I need this income. I can't do the 50, 60 percent. And that means we that could be long term issue, health issues, because we never took the time to really heal properly. So let me ask you, when you say the taking out supplemental insurance, and I'm saying disability insurance, and so maybe that might not be the right term, but like in terms of the pandemic, would I actually have to be disabled to use that insurance? Or like, for instance, the pandemic, and I can't go to work because my kids are, schools are closed, and I can't afford, or daycares are closed. So can I use that to cover that as well? Or is it just if I'm hurt or injured or sick? Yes. So to, in order to even qualify for that type of claim, it has to be a situation where you might as well say a doctor will write a note saying you cannot return to work for such an amount of time. You cannot function these different abilities to get your job done. So it has to be something in a way that you were actually told by a professional that you were unable to do those, those jobs, those, you know, those responsibilities that you have for your employment. And that can be, that can be physical or mental, right? Correct. Correct. Yep. And it doesn't even mean it. So another example I like to give people be real, you know, ask questions about your benefits at work too. Cause a lot of times they'll give you that 50, 60%, but if you can go do something else inside that employer, they'll try to keep those benefits from you. So you want to make sure that you're mindful about it. Even when you purchase the additional, you want to make sure that you're getting something where it says, hey, it doesn't matter if I can go be a a door person at Walmart. If I can't do the responsibility I was hired for at this employer, I should be able to receive that monthly benefit. Are you a parent feeling overwhelmed and stressed out? 
Do you need support or someone to talk with about your concerns? If so, look no further. I offer parent coaching, specializing in working with parents of children with disabilities. Let me help you eliminate overwhelm and guide you to your next step. Go to nextstepseducation.com. That's next, N-E-X-T, steps, S-T-E-P-S, education, E-D-U-C-A-T-I-O-N.com for more information. Okay, so let's say we have a 401k with our employer. Now, mm-hmm. should we have um, something else? Should we be investing in a Roth or should we be investing in some other vehicle or tool or is the 401k enough? Okay, I'm so happy you asked me this. So I love telling people, I love the benefits from the employer. They're amazing, but they're starters. They should not be the only things that you do. You have to set up stuff outside of your employer. And the biggest reason is because we don't know where we're going to, where our journey is going to end. And a lot of those benefits are tied to that employer. So if you ever decide to go somewhere else, God will really bless you with something different. All those things you have set up there are now gone. So you want to make sure that absolutely everything that you have with your employer, that you also establishing that for yourself. That's one. But another thing, when it comes to retirement, I love that I tell my clients about diversifying your income, your money, right? So if you have like a 401k with your employer, which is post-tax, I'm going to make sure you understand. That means that when you go into retirement, let's say retirement is age 65 and you had a 401k with your employer, they are not taxing you in today's tax bracket. You're going to be taxed when it's time to retire, which is awesome if taxes are still either around the same amount or lower right? I like to tell people, if you have something like that, then you want to, on the outside, have something like a Roth. You want to build something that's going to tax you for today's time. And the reason we want to do that, so when you're in retirement, you're prepared for however life goes. If the taxes is up higher, that's okay, because now you have tax-free dollars, like a Roth. But if the taxes is lower, then that's great, because now you have that 401k that you can also take those benefits for the lower taxes. So it's like you put your money into, you're diversifying it so you're ready for whatever happens, because we can't predict the market or what's going to happen in a couple of years. So it's like we put our money in different places so that way we're good, regardless of how things turn out. Okay. So let's talk about wanting to invest in the stock market. So do financial advisors, so I know that there are financial advisors that based on what you've kind of shared that they help to plan, they, you tell them where you want to go and they kind of help you to map that out. They kind of give you a strategy. Now they're also investors who helped you to invest your money. That might not be the correct term. So are the financial planners and investors, are they synonymous or are they different? Or does it just depend on their licensure? Everything kind of depends on license. So as a financial advisor, most of us, especially if we have like a license seven, we have the ability to actually recommend our clients on where to also, so, you know, educate them on investing into stocks. Now, this is something I like to tell people. A lot of advisors do not day trade. And this is day trading. When someone comes to me and say, hey, Tesla's stocks went down. Should I go? We most likely don't ever give that type of advice because we can't control the market. Nobody can control the market. We plan for the long run. We mostly put our money in situations where if the market is down, we don't care because we don't need that money to another 20 years. And if you really look at the stock market, it's always trending up no matter if it goes down for a little bit of a time. So a lot of times we plan long-term. So we're not looking at taking something out tomorrow or doing those type of things. We're actually trying to plan for it to stay. So we don't care. We're not up every day looking at the market, go up and down. It's no it's stressful, right? So we are more so saying, hey, 
we're putting your money in a lot of different things, unless it's something that you really want. And we do that too, but we want to keep that in there for a while. We're not looking at this thing day to day. Okay. So I want to go back to something you said. So if you are a mom and you are employed by a company, you were like, okay, see what your company has to offer, but you also want to take out other things. But what if you are a mom and, or you're a mom and you want to be an entrepreneur. So you're going to leave the comfort of what a job or your employer has to offer and do your own thing. Mm -hmm. Are there two vehicles that you should be doing? Like, you know, you'd have the 401k and then you're doing an IRA. So as an entrepreneur, should you be doing an IRA and something else or Mm -hmm. one thing enough? So if you don't have either, I say it, when it comes to post and pre, it, it's really up to the client. You At that point, I have dealt with business owners that say, hey, I work for myself. I don't have any retirement started up right now. A lot of times I'm big on tax-free. So when I, a lot of times I like to talk to my clients about tax-free products. So Roth is always the first on my mind because we want those tax-free benefits. We want to tax for today's time because even though people feel that taxes is really high, we really check the history of taxes Mm-hmm. we're in our best tax time. So I talk about uh, Roth will normally be the first recommendations in most situations. Okay. If we're okay. talking about retirement. Okay. So what about now I'm, we're still not going to kind of go back to employers because teachers can't there. They don't have 401k. It's usually like teacher retirement, which has its own set of, you know, like four or three B's. Right. So then if I am a teacher, should I also be doing like an annuity or should I have a, or would you recommend a Roth? And I mean, I know these are kind of, I know that what you do is specific to the person, but just like some general ideas about what else I can do outside of my teacher retirement. What would you suggest? So 403B it's very similar to a 401k. It's just different for a different grade, different group of people. So again, t- the teacher I would talk to about the same thing. I would talk to someone who's not in an education field or in the government field that a Roth is always great to be partner up with those two products, the 401k or the 403b. So in that case, a, a Roth will be idea, first thought of without knowing someone's situation, top of mind of uh, what product vehicle. Okay. So you have told us, you have shared with us. So if we're a mom and before we get a financial advisor, because a lot of times like it's 2021, we're in a pandemic. And a lot of times we want to know, well, based on the current situation, like, okay, I need to do, I need to get control of my money. But what you're telling us and which makes sense is like, find out what your budget is, find out Mm -hmm. what you have, (laughs) what you have to work with or what you have coming in and going out and then kind of work out from there. So once you've done that, and you have started looking into your companies, the things you have invested with your company, are there certain things that we should also be looking at having? So, you know, do we need to have life insurance? Do we need to have other insurances that maybe we haven't thought about? Mm -hmm. Okay. So there are two things before anyone, before I even sit down and talk to my clients about growing our money, like the things we've been talking about, like child education and retirement, I always look at risk management first and risk management is making sure we're protecting our biggest assets. Right. So that's the life insurance part. And that's going to be the emergency savings. I just want to make sure that I talk about these two things because these are really, really big. So life insurance, we'll start with life insurance. Everybody should have life insurance. Almost everybody. I haven't met one person that did not need life insurance. And for many reasons, one, obviously we know for sure we're going to die. Like 
That's just one thing we're for sure about. We can't be for sure about nothing else in this world, but we know we're going to pass away. And we know the hardship that we leave our families in when we pass away, even if they were connected to us directly, as far as the income coming inside the household or just someone who loves you a lot, like your mom or your dad. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we look at with life insurance is making sure we can cover burial expenses. This is why a lot of us see fundme accounts. You see those GoFundMe accounts popping up everywhere all through the year. It's because people cannot financially, they can have insurance on that individual. So now they're trying to scrape up money to throw a departure party and give them a proper burial. So that's the first thing we want to make sure that we cover. The second thing, we want to make sure that we're leaving money behind. If we're talking about mom being a beneficiary, we're talking about our family. We want to make sure that we're leaving money behind in our household so that way when we're gone, the money that we were bringing in year by year is still present inside that household. So the spouse that is the living spouse is not having to get another job or not having to do extra stuff because the other income is no longer there. A lot of us don't think about that. That's one way. And then I honestly tell people like, that's kind of a trick of us starting generational wealth, you know? And I say that because like, as a 32 year old, you know, myself, I have a policy and these are all different policies. They look at health and everything. I'm just giving an example, but paying $35 a month for a million dollar term policy. At this time, currently a million dollars of assets don't have that. But the idea behind the reason I got the policies, because I'm like, okay, I pass away. At least my kids and my beneficiary don't have to start where I started from. Instantly, I already left some type of money around. And there is no other products that's going to do that for you on a very affordable monthly budget. Mm. So I talk to people about that being one of the first things that they put into their financial plan because it makes so much sense. So one of something that I've seen often, especially with parents, because you the natural order of things is that you would go before your children. So you said everybody should have life insurance. Should I have life insurance on my kids? Yes. Yes, you should. And the, the two biggest reasons why, for one, it costs money to bury them. You know, one of the reasons that really pushed me in this business is I lost my brother. Right. And it's two years after I moved here and I didn't know anything about life insurance. So when I seen my mom struggling and I had to go put a GoFundMe account up and I barely got $100 raised up, that was so embarrassing. Yeah. And I had to work and help my mom bury my brother. Not even that. The funeral is one thing, you losing a child. But the mental health of the mother, the parent that lose the child, I had to watch my mom try to recover from my brother's death for two years, meaning me and my siblings had to come up and help her pay bills because mentally she was tapped out. She couldn't work. She couldn't do nothing. So it would have been nice if we would have had a, a policy on him or a policy on our kids that allow us to have a grieving period. Meaning if we take this death very hard, at least we can have some of that income to live off of and pay some of our bills because that three days or that week is sometimes not enough to mentally deal with the loss of a child. Right. And so, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying. It's not the natural order of things. I mean, so we usually, you know, it, it, it's a harder toll on us because that's not what we expected to happen. Exactly. And so I think mm-hmm. that you make a very good point that you don't have to, if you, t- if you have life insurance out on your kids, that's one less thing that you have to worry about that should it occur, preferably it doesn't, but should it occur, you have time to, you know, mourn the loss and, yes. and not have to rush back to work and, and have to deal with all of those things. So yeah. that's very, you know, that's a very, you know, good way of looking at things. And I'm sorry to hear about your brother. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that was, that's one. And the second one is emergency savings. I mean, we've all heard about emergency savings. I mean, we've been hearing about emergency savings since we was in high school. Save your money, save your money, save your money. Um, one thing I really push the most before you even 
put your money in the market, in the market meaning retirement, it means child education, it means investing, real estate, all that cryptocurrency, all that fun stuff that everybody's trying to get into. Mm -hmm. I tell people have at least three to six months of your living expenses in a savings account that's just for emergencies. Not no short time. I did in this every now and then when I'm short on money, but this is truly for emergencies. The reason I say that it should be set up before we do that because life happens to us every year. Mm-hmm. COVID was one big thing. You know, we had to all wake up and realize like we need to get our financial stuff together. Mm-hmm. But if we just take COVID out the picture, things happen to us every year. Every single year we are paying out of our pocket some unexpected expense on something, car, kids, anything. And what happens a lot of times when we do, we call our financial advisor or any of those monthly commitments and say, hey, I got to put a hold on these things right now because I need to take care of this life situation. Mm-hmm. So I tell a lot of my clients, let's set life up first, right? We know life won't happen. We can't run from that. So let's put three to six months of your monthly expenses away. And then you start putting your money somewhere else. So when life happens, you don't have to interrupt those goals. Now we can go right to the life savings account and take care of life like we knew it was going to come around and do anyway. So that's another major thing that I like to talk to people about in all areas is that emergency saving account is crucial. Right. That's, so that's so good. Okay. So you have told us that first things we, that we need to do is look at our own budget, look at what we have going in and, and coming out. And once we kind of get a handle on that, then we need to start saving for emergencies, three to six months. And then after that, is that when we start looking at retirement vehicles or what is that the next step or what's the next step after those two things? The next steps is really, and that comes with the, the whole consultation sitting out, is really what's important to you. We protect our money first with the life insurance, with the disability. That's another part of risk management. And then with the emergency savings. And after that, then we go into growing our money, accumulating wealth. And that just depends on what's impo- most important to you. So that's really where you say, hey, am I about to move in a house, a new house in the next two to three years? Should I be putting money up for that? Mm-hmm. Do I have kids? Do I, should I start putting money up for their education? If you are a parent that want to pay for that, if you are reaching retirement, and I'm, let, me, let me just say disclaimer, we should be funding retirement as soon as you start working. Because mm-hmm. one of those things that I get from people, I see a lot of people in their 40s and 50s coming to me about retirement, and I'm happy that they do. But come on, there's some things that we should have been doing when we were in our 20s, because it's so much easier to put away $50 to $100 a month than you having to go 500 to 1000 trying to catch up before retirement in another year or so, or 10 years or so. So it just depends. So in this next area, it just depends on what's important to you. Like I say, it does not look the same for everybody. So whatever that goal is for you, that's kind of how you decide on what you want to put your money towards. Okay, so this has been really good because what you have done and what you have shared with us is really simple. I mean, I say simple in terms of how you communicated the information. A lot of times we hear about money and we get kind of lost in the jargon, right? You like, mm-hmm. moms are like, what? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> we just turn it off, right? And then mm-hmm. we just do what we've been doing and it's not working for us, but we don't know, we don't have enough information or the right kind of language. We're not understanding. And so we just, you know, throw our hands in. But when we, when it's communicated to us in the way that you did, it makes it, simple. It makes it sound like, okay, this is something I can do. Um, so, you know, I appreciate you for sharing in simple, practical terms um, <laughs> You're welcome. that we haven't talked about or covered that you think is important. Well, yes. One thing that I want to leave with the moms in this group, in this podcast is that women as women, one, one thing that I have seen, especially in what, uh, 
in households of, you know, couples is that a lot of times a lot of women take the backhand on the finances, you know, and I, I like to always talk to, you know, my women, women client, mom clients and tell them, make sure that we are, you know, even if we're the head of the household or not, we understand what our financial situation looks like. Because a lot of times in different situations, women are finding themselves, you know, after either a divorce or losing a spouse or whatever that may be a breakup, that the financial, the financial plan, the financial ground and the situation is not as great as you thought it was. You know, you were just letting the husband or the man just kind of take lead in that area. So one thing I just want to leave with, you know, the, the listeners is that make sure you understand what's going on. You want to know what the financial situation look like in your home. You want to be educated about it, even if you're contributing to it or not. You want to have some type of basic knowledge on what's going on. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that information. So moms, if you heard Tessa, she said, no matter what situation you find yourself in, whether you're married or single, head of household, whatever situation, make sure you understand how your money is working for you. Because that's what it does. It works for you, yes, right? It sure does. <laughs> um, it you know, you want it to work for you or yeah, you should be working it. And yeah, so if you don't take anything else away from the conversation, you know, I think that what she just shared is like, make sure you know what's happening with the money. So that is key. We thank you so much for taking the time for sharing with us. And yeah, so until next time, we'll definitely have to have you back for part two so we can get into hey. the, um, <laughs> details about maybe like for entrepreneurs, right? Because that's a whole okay. different situation, moms that are entrepreneurs. But thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us about finances. Thank you for the invite. All right. Have a good evening. You too, lady. Bye. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Mahogany Moms podcast with me. If you like the podcast, please show your support by sharing it and leaving a review. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to mahoganymomspodcast.com. Until next time.